This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. the commandment. This is one of the commandments that God gave us in the very beginning. Exodus chapter 20 verse 12. It says, honor your father and your mother. Now here's the only one that would have promised that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. He's given you these days. It's the only commandment. Out of all the Ten Commandments, the only one that comes with a promise. It's so serious because this is where it all begins. It begins at the home. It doesn't is the school doesn't raise your children. The, the community doesn't raise your children. The church doesn't raise your children. You are to raise your child. When we look back at the Ten Commandments, there was only one commandment that was given with a promise. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long on the land that God has given you. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will be sharing about the importance that we raise our children up in the Lord. It can be tempting to let schools or society educate our children, but we have a responsibility to teach them about godly values. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 as he continues his message, Perilous Times and Perilous Men. Perilous times, what does that happen? Perilous times will bring perilous men. Perilous men. And we're going to look at that in verses 2 to 9. Verses 2 through verse 9. And perilous men are savage, they're violent, and they're dangerous. They're dangerous. And Paul is going to list for us 18 characteristics of a false teacher, of a perilous men. 18 characteristics. And so, First of all, let's look at the very first two words in verse 2 because it's important. We need to know who Paul is referring to when he says for men, okay? What men is he referring to? He says in verse 2, for men, and of course, we want to keep this in context. Want to keep it in context? Context is key. Context, context, context. So Paul is not referring to mankind in general, unsaved men. And although, yes, uh, people who are unsaved, people who don't believe in Christ, the world they live in is simple. They live simply, and they and the following eighteen characteristics they are actually practicing every day. So they're sinning against God. Okay, that's not to say that we Christians are perfect by far. We're not. We're not better than sinners. We're just better off because we have Jesus Christ. There's a difference. However. Paul is referring to, and listen, he's referring to the leaders and teachers in the church. The leaders and teachers in the church who not only claim the name of Jesus, but also claim to be his pastors, his prophets, and his teachers. But they're not. Drop down to verse 5. We're keeping this in context. In verse 5, he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. How many you know, how many of you have been in the body of Christ for a long time as I have? 
Uh, and again, there's a lot of them that look, that look holy, act holy, sound holy, religious, uh, but they reject the power that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power that's in God. And for they're dangerous, perilous men. So let's look at these 18 characteristics that as Paul describes these perilous men. Number one, in verse two, it says, for men will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of themselves. They will be self-centered, narcissistic, (laughs) conceited, egotistical. So it's all about me, myself, and I. They show your family picture and it's only a picture of them. That's the kind of person they are. And that's who they are inside out. You know, interestingly that the Apostle Paul begins, he gives the first character has to deal with self because the heart of man is corrupt, isn't it? The heart of man is corrupt. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And if a person loves and worships himself, obviously there's pride. Pride. And we're going to see some of the, the, the characteristics of pride as well. Now, know this. It goes without saying, you and I, every single one of us here, we don't need to be told to love ourselves. We don't need to be told that. We already do. And let me tell you, we live in a world where it's all about you, right? I remember growing up with the, the magazines that used to be at the end caps of the supermarket. First, it was family. It was people. Then it went to family, and it came to we, and it came to me, and, it's, and it came to I, right? Those magazines, self, right? It all got centered. It's all self-centered. No more us. It's all about me. But you don't have to be told to love yourself. As a matter of fact, The devil is using the world to tell you, oh, you're the best. Oh, you all you can be. Oh, you know, and you start talking to yourself in the mirror and they tell you to give yourself some affirmations. By golly, I'm so good. I'm so nice. I'm perfect. People love me, you know? And that's how they deceive you because they want you to glorify yourself. You don't have to be told that you love yourself because you already do. And the Bible proved that. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. It says, For no one ever hates his own flesh, but what? But nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For example, you love yourself. You bathe yourself every day. I hope you do. Right? You bathe yourself. When you're hungry, what do you do? You feed yourself, right? When you're cold, you you warm yourself up, right? When you're hot, you cool yourself off. You see, you take care of As a matter of fact, your own body is designed by God. It works inside you. Even your own body helps itself by having an immune system, right? So you already love yourself. Perfect example, we take a group picture. If I was to take a panoramic picture of all of us here, right? And I'll, I, I get it blown up. I'll put it in the, in the fellowship hall. Who's the first person you're going to look for? <laughs> you see, listen, that's just to show you. Listen, I never got to laugh so quick. <laughs> that proves that you love yourself. But not in a fleshly way, okay? You know, you start looking, and it could be the best picture. 
It could be, everybody could be dressed. It could be, maybe it could be resurrected. I don't know how people dress. But anyway, I just love to be around. He's so casual. But anyway, you could be the best dressed. It could be the nice. It could be blown. I mean, the, the picture could be great. But if your eyes are closed, oh, it's not a good picture. Forget about the 350 other people, you know. Yeah, it's not a good picture. You know, you look for yourself. But that's so, you, so listen, you don't have to be told to love yourself, okay? Because you do love yourself. As a matter of fact, when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, how would you love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? But here, Paul's not talking about that kind of love. It's the kind of love that puts your love above God, above others. As a matter of fact, The Bible kind of tells us to do opposite, to be honest. To do opposite. You must deny yourself, right? That's what Jesus said. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus says, whoever desired to come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You remember John the Baptist when he spoke about Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 30. He says, he must increase. God must increase, but I must decrease. So you don't have to be told to love yourself. Characteristic number two, lovers of money. Now money is not evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. First Timothy chapter six, verse 10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, all kinds, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people destroy themselves because of money. Money. They have put money before their relationship with God, and now they, they've done very well. They've done very well. They've been, it, what we say, they climbed up the ladder of success, but the problem is when it comes to this ladder of success in life, the ladder is leading on the wrong building. It should be where the building where Christ is. And what happens, they are lost, and they walked away from the Lord. They walked away from the Lord. It's dangerous. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong to be financially uh, doing well. Not a sin. As long as the money doesn't have you, but you have the money. Because quite often that's what happens. The money will have you. And when the money has you, you start loving the money. And again, it's going to eat you up. And that's what James says. James, James chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. It says, come now. Uh, is one, but it's two, three. Come now, you rich, reap and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupt and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. This is a, a person that, again, where money has him, him not having money. Number three, characteristic number three of a perilous man is he boasts. That means bragging, full of great swelling words. And we all know what bragging is because every now and then we tend to brag. Let's be honest. <laughs> we want everybody to know how good we are. And that's, that's pretty much here in the West. When you, and you're in the Middle East, when you ask someone about themselves, they'll say, my name is Menachem, or whatever, Amir, and I am the son of so-and-so, or the son of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. Here in America, in the West, it says, yeah, let me know about yourself. Well, my name is John Doe. I got a, a BA in, uh, in, in philosophy, and I got a master's, and they give you their whole credential. Like, you know, like who cares about those pieces of paper on your wall? That's how it is. There is a difference. 
Once upon a time, we took honor in who we were the sons of. But let me tell you, understand this, and, and go. we need to practice this. Boasting, bragging is evil. The Bible said so. In James chapter 4, verse 16, it says, but such boasting is evil. It's evil. Fourth characteristic is proud. So perilous men will be proud, arrogant, overbearing, puffed up. That's how they are. It describes those who imagine themselves to be better than everyone else. So after they start bragging, oh, they're going to puff themselves up. Yeah, you, you, did you get all that down? Did you get all my, you know, my certificates and my degrees down? Okay, now I'm puffed up. The fifth characteristic is blasphemers. So they will speak evil, profane, abusive, and foul mouth. That's who they are. And they will revile against God, and they will revile against man. That's who they are. Number six, disobedient to parents. Perilous men will be disobedient to parents. And obviously, if they were disobedient to parents, thus it leads why they are perilous men. And that's where it all starts, how to be a godly person in the home. Apparently, it was he wasn't raised well, this person. Uh, that doesn't mean that the parents didn't do their job, because we see the story of the prodigal son. But if they rebel against parents, obviously, they didn't get disciplined. They didn't get disciplined. And, and discipline is very important. You, you, if you Listen, I've learned what discipline is. Trust me, my father disciplined and then asked questions. That's how he was. And, you know, kids are smart. You say, when I count to three, when do you think they're going to stop? Two and three quarters. That's when they'll stop. And it's got to be not only from the outward, it's got to be from the inside. A story of a woman was telling her, her son, her three-year-old son, to get down. He was standing on the chair while they were eating. He said, no, get down. He, he said, no, I don't want to. And the mother actually threatened him. said, listen, if you don't sit down, bloop, 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 I'm going to beat you, whatever. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the kid sat down. You know what that shows is that he may be sitting down physically, but deep inside, he's standing up. And it's the inside that needs to be dealt with. Why? Here's the commandment. This is one of the commandments that God gave us in the very beginning. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says, honor your father and your mother. Now, here's the only one that would have promised that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. He's given you these days. It's the only commandment. Out of all the Ten Commandments, the only one that comes with a promise. It's so serious because this is where it all begins. It begins at the home. It doesn't... Is the school doesn't raise your children. The, the community doesn't raise your children. The church doesn't raise your children. You are to raise your child. It's important. But the child rebels. This is what's a promise. Now, as a matter of fact, in, in Leviticus, it talks about that if the children disobeyed the parents to the point where they cursed them out, they're to be stoned to death. That's the law. However, hold, your, hold yourself. Don't get controversial on me. When it talks about children, it's not talking about infants, <laughs> okay? It's talking about grown adults that should know better, the adults, because why? When it comes to honor your mother and father, it doesn't matter how old your mother is. Your mother could be 100, or your father could be 100 years old, and you could be in your 80s. You're to honor your parents. There's no time limit. You honor your parents now. You're to honor your parents, whether they're honorable or not. The Lord didn't say, okay, in, in Exodus, honor your mother and father, brackets, if they were. No, regardless if they're honorable or not, we're to honor. Number seven, they're unthankful. 
Perilous men are unthankful. They're ungrateful. They lack appreciation. They lack appreciation. Number eight, they're unholy. In other words, they're irreverent. They're irreverent. And they would discard sacred things like the law and the word of God and the things of God. And they don't care how they live or how they dress and what they do. That's those who are unholy because they're living by the flesh. It all began from the beginning. They're lovers of self. Verse three gives us number nine, unloving, unable to love. No, they're hard-hearted, they're unnaturally callous, unfeeling towards others. We should, as believers in Christ, we should be compassionate towards others. When others are suffering, we need to be compassionate. We need to be with them. When they rejoice, we rejoice, the Bible says. And if you have a heart for people, then you really need to examine your heart. Because there's no long rangers in the, script, in, in the Bible. Even in the beginning, when God says it's not good for man to be left alone, he created a wife. He created a family. He created a church. He created communities. He created all things. Because it's not about me, myself, and I. When Jesus left his throne in glory to die for a sense of the world, he didn't come to build buildings. He came because of people. People. And so... They need to be loving. The next thing is unforgiving. Obviously, if you don't love, you're not going to forgive anyone. That's refusing to make peace or refusing efforts towards reconciliation. Unforgiving. And so even when someone asks, hey, let's talk. No, that's it. Refusing to make peace, refusing efforts towards reconciliation. Uh, So the reality is that those who do not forgive, those who do not forgive, are the ones that hurt the most between the two. The one that offended you, you don't forget what you want them to do. They'll go on. But you're going to carry that. You're left with it. The ball's in your court. You're dealing with You're tossing and turning at night. You're going through years because you haven't forgiven. You're the one that's suffering. We need to forgive. So they're unforgiving. Number 11, slanderers. Uh, perilous men would be Slanderous, and the word slanderer, it's an interesting word in the Greek, is the Greek word diabolos. And what do you, that sounds like in Spanish, diablo. <laughs> okay? It means to accuse falsely, attacking the reputation of another. That's what that means. By the way, if you look up the Greek word, if you have the Greek lexicon or that, you know, Bible software where you, you know, you put the mouse and you highlight over the word. And if you look at the word, the Greek word for devil, you know what word you're going to get? Diabolos. The same word, the same Greek word. It's the same Greek word in the Greek. So in the Greek, slanderer and devil is the same word in the Greek, and it has the same meaning. But when it comes to the devil, he's a slanderer, he's an adversary. He's the adversary. So let me tell you, this is important because where it all started in the garden, it was the tongue of the serpent, right? That's why Jesus said to, to the Pharisees, it says, you, you know, you're of the devil, the liar. He, he's the father of all lies. We need to be careful. You have a problem with someone, don't try to, you know, corral people and say, listen, you know, I have a problem with this guy. And, you know, yeah, you, yeah. Did he do that with you too? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all of a sudden now you, you, you're slandering the person. And that, that, that issue is between you and that person. We need to be careful. It gets worse, 12 Without control. That's the 12th characteristic of a perilous man. It's without self-control. They are men of uncontrolled passions. And in the inability to deal with temptations, lack, a complete lack of restraint. It gets even worse. 
And you notice how Paul, this is the reason why the, the scripture is inspired by God. Because you see how it just, the chain reaction just keeps getting worse. And the 13th characteristic of a perilous man is brutal. And brutal is typically, in that time, was, the word was used in those days, in ancient day four, to describe a wild animal, a wild beast. And they're savage, they're untamed, the opposite of being civilized. The 14 characteristics, of course, you do all these things, you can despise what's good. So despisers of good. And they're haters of whatever or whoever is good. They hate anything that's good, anything that's godly. It's not, even for the, the young generation, it's not cool to be good and godly. Can you imagine the peer pressure of the teenagers today? We see that in the world. You know, now having a biological mother and a biological father makes the kid go to school. All your parents, your parents are not cool. They're old fashioned. That's the, that's the, that's what we're living in today. That's the world we're living in. And so we see that in the world. Anything that's good. Remember what Jesus said. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. They don't hate you because of your hairstyle and the way you dress. It has nothing to do with that. They hate you because of Jesus that's in you. You need to understand that. They're children of darkness. We're children of the light. And they don't like light. It's like when you turn on the light in New York City, they always say, you turn on the light in New York City, all the roaches and rats are going to just scramble away. And it's the truth. When I was a police officer and it was summer night in Harlem, whoa, whoa, let me tell you. And in order to clear the road, we just drive slowly and all of a sudden, they start walking away. <laughs> One time, we're chasing after a guy. And they say, hey. And then we finally caught him. And, 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 he, and we said, why are you running? I don't know. Everybody was running. <laughs> I said, okay, you're free to go. <laughs> but that's how it is, you know. Darkness, evil doesn't like light. And, and they despise anything good. They hate things that are righteous, godly, and holy. And they'll do anything to stop it. The 15th characteristic is traitors. Uh, these are men, it's in plural, what Paul is trying to point out is that these people once had been committed. They betrayed something that they were committed to. They were committed to. Like Israel, they betrayed against the prophets. They killed the prophets. Jesus was betrayed by what? By who? Judas, right? And he was left abandoned by all the other disciples. They were, the disciples weren't traitors, just Judas, just to make that clear. They're, they're traitors. Number 16, they're headstrong, meaning reckless, self-willed, and stubborn. They're stubborn. The 17th characteristic, they're haughty, is high-minded, thinking that they're better than others. And the last and final characteristic of a perilous man, number 18, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's who these false teachers are. That's who perilous men are. And with that said, that shouldn't be in a believer in Jesus Christ, any of these things. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 1 Timothy with us here on Running the Race. There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, 
why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry and you'd like to know how you could partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.